spoke a word you were singing over me you have been so so good to me before I took a breath you breathed your life in me you have been so so kind to me Till I'm found, leaves the 99. 
was your fault Still your love fought for me You have been so, so good to me When I felt no Well, good morning, Capital City. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers. Uh, we literally wouldn't be here without you. Um, we are fighting some technical difficulties, but this morning I am thankful that God's not limited by technology. <laughs> Praise God. So as, my, as the rest of the band finishes and gets ready, um, if you would just stand with and worship with us. We're just excited to, to worship our, our spiritual Heavenly Father this morning. And we're, I'm so grateful uh, and expecting uh, for what he's going to bring in worship this morning and in Pastor Jonathan's sermon. So stand and worship with us. We're so glad you're here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Cap City uh, as we go into a time of prayer this morning. First, I want to ask you to remember Pastor Deb and her dad. She's not here with us this morning because they had a rough night and things are close for, for Pastor Seymour. Uh, so we want to remember them in prayer, but also want to take some time uh, to just offer you the opportunity to come forward in prayer. It is Father's Day today, and uh, I felt inclined to grab this to share scripture with you this morning. This is the first Bible that my father gave me. Thankful he's here with me this morning. As you can see, it's pretty used. If I remember right, when he bought it for me, it was used. And uh, I don't know what y'all think about a, a used Bible, but to me, it's like a baseball mitt. You know what I mean? I don't know if you ever tried to put on a new baseball glove. It doesn't move, doesn't work real well, but... Anymore, I even find myself buying used books trying to find other people's notes in them. Right? There's a lot of good stuff in there. But uh, I've glued it back together a bunch of times and don't use it a lot anymore. But uh, in my personal time, spending time with God this morning, I, I think it's, I don't know if I've made mention of that this morning, but I want you to know that your pastor reads the Bible to maintain a relationship with God. Believe it or not, it's not always the case anymore these days. And I don't just read the Bible to prepare sermons for you to come up with something to say, but I'm in the Word because I want to have a relationship with my Heavenly Father. And whatever your position is in life or ministry, it's important that you maintain a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And in my personal reading this morning, I was reading the book of Isaiah. So hear what it says, hear old Jacob, but we'll say hear old Cap City this morning in Isaiah 44. Thus says the Lord that made thee and formed thee from the womb, which will help thee. Fear not, Cap City, my servant, and thou, uh, Jesserun, whom I have chosen. For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thine offspring. And they shall spring up as among the grass, as willows by the watercourses. One shall say, I am the Lord's. And another shall call himself by the name of Jacob. And another shall subscribe with his hand unto the Lord and surname himself by the name of Israel. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, and I am the last. And beside me, there is no God. And who as I shall call and shall declare it and set it in order for me since I appointed these ancient people? And the things that are coming and shall come, let them show unto them. Do not fear, neither be afraid. Have not I told thee from that time and have declared it? You are even my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? No, I don't know one. Father's Day is a day of remembering fathers. Sometimes those relationships were difficult. Sometimes they were good. Sometimes they were incredible. But at the beginning and the end, there's one father. And you belong to him. There's no other God, no other father. And this morning as we enter into a time of prayer, we're going to sing a song called, Here's My Heart. Here's my heart, Lord. And I wonder this morning if he has your heart and if you know that you're at the center of his. Whatever your prayer request you want to bring this morning, whatever it is that God might lay upon your heart, we're, we're going to come and, and open the altars at this time and, and we'll uh, be ready to pray for you. So let's uh, continue to worship as we lift our prayers to him today.
God, as we transition into a time of hearing from your word, I do hope that that would be our prayer. Lord, we know that you speak nothing but, is tr- but what is truth, but we pray that you would speak to our hearts, not what only is true from your word, but what is true about you and what you know to be true about us, Lord. Help us to leave all falsehoods, all deception, God, all the places that we've not been real about who we are and who we are in you, God. Lord, as we look into your word, as we, as we move into a time of looking at the scripture, we want to hear your truth, God, and we want to conform to that truth rather than the things of this world. We know that your spirit will have freedom in this place. Help us to respond accordingly. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Welcome to Capital City Church, and happy Father's Day. We are so glad you were joining us for service today. Fathers, be sure to stop by the info desk in the sanctuary to pick up a special gift. Please share your updates, praises, and prayer requests on the connection card in your bulletin and drop it in the offering when it comes around later this morning. First time visitors, please let us get to know you through the connection card. And at the end of the service, you can take it to the visitor welcome desk in the lobby to receive a small gift. Today, June 19th, is Juneteenth, a day of remembrance of liberation from slavery. Let's thank God for this freedom and pray for Pastor David as he travels this weekend with Dr. Mike Holbrook to Brooklyn, New York to celebrate Juneteenth with our African-American congregations in New York. Mount of Praise begins this Tuesday at 7 p.m. at Ohio Christian University. You can see the camp schedule and information on the back of today's bulletin. There will be no evening activities this week here at church, so please enjoy the nightly services of Mount of Praise. Thank you for supporting the ministries of Cap City Church. You can give online or by check or cash. See the back of the bulletin for more details. Please welcome Pastor Jonathan Barker with today's message. Hey, before we get started today, I want to recognize some people that are new or somewhat new, uh, <laughs> all in their own kind of different way. First off, last week we welcomed Amber and Colton. I won't make them stand up or wave at you again, but in case you weren't here last week, you might see in the bulletin that they've, uh, they've come on to join the Cap City staff. And if you were here last week, Colton was leading worship, and today he was helping out back in the drum cage. So, I mean, he sounded so rusty, right? Like, he hasn't done that in a while. Uh, and Amber's been here working with us all week, been uh, happy to have her uh, in the office with us and joining us for things like the prayer time on Tuesday morning. So one of my favorite parts of the week so far is Tuesday morning prayer. If you're not doing anything at 11 o'clock, love for you to come over. It's, it's a real prayer group. We don't sit and gossip about other people. We pray. Um, I know some people think that that's one thing or the other, but we actually just spend an hour praying. Um, so, so happy for that. Um, 
kind of a, some people were recognizing for the first time, right? I, I won't do that whole, for the first time ever, Eric and Kayla Heron, right? <laughs> Let's give them a hand. <laughs> I mean, for the first time back at Cap City, right? So, so thankful for Eric and Kayla and glad uh, minus uh, getting to hang out in Pittsburgh after an airplane thing that they're back with us. So, um, uh, uh, oh, I, uh, Allison, just stand up real quick and wave at him. I got kicked last week for not introducing. This is my wife, Allison. Uh, so the story there is we started with a stomach bug the night before my first Sunday, so she wasn't here. And then quite a few of you said last week, you know, you didn't introduce Allison, said, was she the woman sitting next to you in the front row? I was like, I, I can't tell you how much I resisted the temptation, right? All the different things that I could have said, you know, all the other women that I bring to church with me, right? It'll always be Allison. <laughs> It'll always be Allison. Um, so so I uh, wanted to make sure she went with the ladies uh, down to Circleville uh, on Friday, so some of you got to know her, but uh, didn't want to get in trouble again for not pointing out who she is. Um, and then most importantly, if this is your first time with us, we want you to just feel at home. I know it runs in our video that if you're a first-time guest, fill out a connection card. Um, but you are the most valuable player to me if you're here uh, this Sunday morning. We want to get to know you. And I believe that if you're here for the first time that you've probably looked at other churches or you've looked a lot of places that weren't church and maybe even finally gave in and said, well, I guess nothing else is working. I'll try church. Um, you're in the right spot. and We want to help you along your journey. So um, please do take, take a second to fill out one of those cards and we'd love to get to know you a little bit better. So if, if you want to find your way to a text, I'll be in ja Joshua chapter five among many other texts this morning, but the first one we'll read together is in Joshua chapter five. We've been in a series entitled from here to there and talking about the fact that there's always someplace else. If I'm here, God's got something else in the future. He wants me to do. Sometimes that means just being steady and continuing right where you are. Uh, but we, we left Egypt a couple weeks ago when we booked the trip, and we took the scenic route through the desert, talked a little bit about how God can make the desert a scenic route, and this week we'll find ourselves arriving at our destination. We're arriving at our destination, so today's title is Arrival. And uh, for an illustration this morning, I brought my faithful Garmin GPS, which by the way, I think it still works. Um, it was in the trunk of our van. That's where I had to look to find it. It's cracked here a little bit. I think sometimes when we're on a trip, uh, it, the plug-in for it, on, on the back, it, the, what came with it is what goes into your cigarette lighter. You know what I mean? Not a cigarette lighter, but a power outlet. So that's what we had, and, and we had to, uh, uh, so that, I think the only one in our van is in, the, is in the trunk. So Wesley would plug it in there, but right before phones, before uh, Google Maps and Apple Maps and um, all those things, like, this is what we had to rely on. We didn't have, have those things, and it was, right, it was a big deal to have a GPS, and we got into built-in GPS and all that kind of stuff. But anyways, um, like a lot of people, when you started using these, you struggled trusting them a little bit, Right? Right, because in honor of Father's Day, we'll point out that a man never gets lost. Right, a man never gets lost. Man never needs directions. So there's no point. There's no point in having one of these, right? Um, but but if, I don't know about any of you, but I learned a lot of new roads when I got a GPS because they calculate and recalibrate, 
and they want to tell you where the traffic is. And sometimes, you know, the thing about it is though there were a few times that I would get somewhere and it said that I had arrived at my destination. I'm looking around going, this doesn't look like what I was trying, where I was trying to go or what I was trying to find. And so then sometimes, and this has even been more recently because I haven't used this in a long time, more recently, as I've been using different map services or navigation services, I usually use something like Google Maps on my phone. But as I've been using those, I've got someplace and realized maybe that place has a different alias. Or maybe you have to know that it's behind the building. Or, or there's, just, there's things that these things can't tell you, right? Like they can get you so far, but then, then there's something else has to happen. So this actually happened to me. Uh, this week, I went somewhere, I put in the directions, um, <laughs> Connie, it was to come see you at the global headquarters, right, at the, at the ministry center, and I kind of, wait, this isn't, I put in 3CU, and it took me, uh, oh, there it is, I'd never been there before, I'd been to one of the old ones uh, back in the day, um, but I, I didn't know what to do, and then I thought, oh, well, I need to probably call it by a different name, um, but what happens, and what I love most about these is that if you do make a wrong turn, that instead of having to backtrack necessarily, it might calibrate or recalculate the new and fastest route for you. Especially if you do something like get off the wrong exit or going the wrong way on an interstate, instead of backtracking, you'll go a different direction that still gets us there while we're moving towards our destination. Um, and so I think about the Israelites with their GPS going through the desert, 40 years, they get outside the walls of Jericho, and they go, I thought we were going to the promised land. Why is there this huge wall there? We must have the wrong place. This must not be our destination. Are you ready for, for this this morning? It wasn't their destination, because their destination was inside the walls. Their destination was inside the walls. So Joshua got out of his trusty GPS. There's no scriptural reference here. This is all satire. Um, Joshua gets out his trusty GPS, and he talks to God. Well, I guess there is some scripture here. See, we'll make the connection. Joshua gets out his, his trusty GPS and says, well, we're here now, God. Where do we need to go? And the GPS comes on. I'm going to make some kind of, I'm going to try to imitate a voice. I don't know how, how it's going to come out right now. You will arrive at your destination in 52 left turns. <laughs> right? We'll read the story here a little bit, but once around the city for six days, then seven on the seventh day, that's 13 laps. For all you NASCAR fans, you know that's four left turns, right? Four circles, four left turns, 52 left turns, and you'll be there. I mean, we would have thrown this thing out the window if that's what it told us if we were trying to find that restaurant or that amusement park that we are trying to get to. God has promises for you. God's promises are different than his provisions. He's always going to take care of you. You know that? No matter how, how far you go off course, you're still worth more than a sparrow or the lilies, right? He talks about that in Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount. Those are provisions. God's always got provisions for you. But then he makes these great big promises to us. It wasn't called the land of provisions. It was called the land of promise. 
And I want you to take a second to think about the provisions that they had outside of the walls. They had food. They had water. They had sex. They had security. They had become familiar with their surroundings. There wasn't really any danger. But in the desert, often we see mirages, don't we? Things that look like something that we're hopeful for that aren't real. And too many of us live our lives there in the land of provision rather than the land of promise. I want you to know that I have sweated over this sermon all week trying to say the right things. And God never gave me that until 10 seconds ago. The land of promise, not the land of provision. Stop worrying about tomorrow. Stop worrying about your finances. Stop worrying about the little things. He just said you're going to have those. You're just going to have them. We want to be a church that's going after the promised land, not the land of provisions. Let's look at Joshua chapter 5 and verse 13. Like I said, we'll be in a few different passages. But they're getting ready to head into Jericho. And as they came by Jericho, verse 13, Joshua lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing opposite him with his sword drawn and in his hand. That means I'm ready to fight, by the way, right? If you're a soldier and you're carrying your sword, it's in your sheath unless you're ready to fight. His sword is drawn and it's in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? You see a big dude, maybe with some wings, who knows, and a sword drawn. You want to know whose side he's on because you need to know if you're drawing your sword or if you're giving him some armor to go into battle with you, right? And the angel of the Lord responded to him and said, no, rather I indeed come now as a captain of the host of the Lord. And our first thought we're going to go after this morning is that before you can take the city, you must identify the owner of the city. God is the owner. God is the owner. The angel of the Lord came here, and Joshua wanted to know what side he was on. He said, I don't take sides. I'm the only side there is. I'm the way, the truth, and the life, right? He was coming on behalf of the Lord. This isn't about sides. Did you know sometimes in the church we want to know what side someone's on? We won't ask it directly, but you want to know who somebody's voting for, what their political stance is, how they feel about a certain theological matter. And God, in this moment, I mean, there's so much we could learn here, church, just from this, this one passage of Scripture. We're all on God's side. Did you know that today? Every single one of us. I told my staff yesterday here that nobody in this church should want to hurt each other. If you feel like someone else has hurt your feelings or said something that you didn't like, did you know they probably weren't trying to hurt you? Because we all love Jesus, and we're trying to move forward in the right direction. It was probably a misunderstanding. When we find ourselves fighting, when we find ourselves disagreeing, what we've done is we've taken sides. We've taken sides. We've become like Joshua saying, I need to know whether or not you believe in my theology, whether you believe in my leadership style, whether or not you, I believe in my, in my style of music or worship. And, and the Lord just said, it's just us. It's just one side. It's just one side. Rightly identifying God as the one who has ownership will allow you to find a way to conquer your situation. When it comes to Father's Day, I think about the relationship between a father and a child. And for me, because I have three boys, it's primarily that of a father-son relationship. 
Tell me if any of you ever heard a phrase like this, but dad said I could. And, and Wesley or Luke might use that a lot because dad probably gives way more permission than he should. Mom's probably the reasonable one. And I'm like, yeah, get on the roof. It's fine. Like yesterday, me and Wesley were outside and he was on the roof power washing. And I love it because we're using my mom's power washer. And I, I don't know if you've ever power washed before, but hers, it gets like this energetic thing, right? Like it, like it kind of gets this power boost. So you'll be going like this and all of a sudden you'll go, like, it'll pop you back like you shot, shot a shotgun, right? And, and so Wesley's like up on the roof and there's a couple of times I see him on the edge and you see that power boost and he kind of, and the edge of the roof's right there. And Allison just wasn't outside, so it was no big deal. Like, we're going to get the gutters cleaned, and we're going to knock all this out. And Allison's inside, and she's like, yeah, I looked out a couple times. She's like, it really looked like he was standing on the gutter. And I was like, well, she's probably right, I mean, from his pers- her perspective. But I can imagine her coming out and saying, Wesley, don't do that, and Wesley responding, but Dad said I could. Hey, listen to me. When it comes to claiming the promises of God, when anybody gets in your face, most specifically the enemy, the doubters, the negative people, you can look at them and say, but my dad said I could. Right? My dad said I could. This is my land. I'm the owner. I've got the promises. I'm not talking about being a jerk to people. I'm not talking about being mean. I'm talking about the fact that in your spirit, there needs to be something that rise up and says, but my dad gave me permission. My dad gave me permission. What often happens, though, is we listen to insinuations or lesser dreams or soft situations that the enemy would offer us, and we lose sight of what God intends for us to have. Let's jump to Joshua chapter 6. We'll get into taking this city a little bit. Joshua 6 verse 1 says, Jericho was tightly shut because of the sons of Israel. No one went out, no one came in. The Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and the valiant warriors. You shall march around the city. All the men of war circling the city once, you shall do for six days. Also, seven priests shall carry seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. Then on the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall be when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet... All the people shall shout with a great shout. And the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people will go up every man straight ahead. The next set of verses there tells you that they just did exactly what they were told to do in verse 5. Jump to verse 20 with me. So the people shouted, and priests blew the trumpets. And when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted with a great shout, and the wall fell down flat, so that the people went up into the city, every man straight ahead, And they took the city. Now Jericho, verse 1. Now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the sons of Israel. No one went out and no one came in. The enemy has your blessing on lockdown because he sees you coming for it. He has it on lockdown because he sees you coming for it. The enemy does not own your blessing. He's already been defeated, and yet we continue to live like and let him think that we're the ones that have lost. 
Too many of us are living a defeated life or maybe allowing ourselves to be defeated in a certain area of our life. Remember, I'm going to do a little singing this morning, and I, I, for, forgive me, but you've already voted me in. There's nothing you can do about it, and <laughs> we'll just, but they're fun songs. I don't know that I have to be on that on key. Remember that song you sing? Joshua in the battle of Jericho, 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 Joshua in the battle of Jericho, and the walls come tumbling down. You know, sometimes pastors make mistakes. I was going to sing two songs for you this morning, and that one was going to be later in the sermon. <laughs> so just remember that. Then I won't have to sing again, okay? Here's the song I wanted you to think about, and I'm just not going to sing it now. I went to the enemy's camp, and I took back what he stole from me. <laughs> I looked up the lyrics, and I'm very careful, and I'm trying to remember these songs to make sure we say the right things. But let me tell you how the lyrics are written out on the internet. It says, I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me. And then it says, repeat six times. Because we want to make sure that we get it. And then it says, Satan is under my feet. Yeah? And we sing that three times. And that's the whole song because that's the whole story. That's it. We have to quit living like he's won. We have to quit giving him so much power. We have to, church, stop spending so much time mentioning him when we pray. Listen to me, this is going to hurt a little bit for some of you, and I, I hope it does critique our prayer life a little bit. God, we come before you today, and we just want to make sure you know Satan's a dirty, filthy liar, and Satan stole my kids, and Satan this, and Satan that. Like, who are you praying to? I've heard some people pray that say Satan's name twice as much as they say Jesus's. Man, the angels said they wouldn't even speak Satan's name. That they would just call for Jesus instead. Man, stop giving him so much attention. When you pray, we need to be using Jesus's name. We get so preoccupied with being entangled with the enemy that we never live in victory that we're called to. When some of the spies went into the city to check it out, there was this prostitute named Rahab. Just one, you know, upstanding citizen. You know what she told the spies? I mean, we just reiterated in Joshua chapter 6, but in Joshua 2, 9, this, this person, in case what the, the biblical narrative gave us wasn't enough, this individual in Joshua chapter 2 said, I know that the Lord has given you the land. Listen to me, church. We don't have people in the church using that kind of language. This is a lowest of the low in society. Does that make sense? This is the person that everyone else has cast off. This is the person that has no reason or understanding of faith or religion. Even if they had some kind of temple there, she probably wasn't allowed to worship. But she said, I know. I know that the Lord has given you the land and that terror of you has fallen on us and all the inhabitants of the land have melted away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the kings of Amorites and, and, and that were before the Jordan and to Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. When we heard it, our hearts melted and no courage remained in any man any longer because of you. Because of you, for the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and even on earth below. 
What an incredible apologetic from a hooker. Church, I'm going to be real with you. I see more melted hearts and discouragement today in the church than I, do, than I see victory in faith. As a pastor, over the years, I've heard more from Christians about doubt, discouragement, fear, and concern, and worry than I have about seeing God do what he says he's going to do. He's going to bring the people. He's going to bring the finances. He's going to bring the relationships and the resources and the healing. He's going to bring the power. But he's got to know he's sending it to some people that believe that he did do it. He can do it. And he's going to do it again and again. You have to believe. You have to believe. We'll transition here to the next thought here with a thought from Numbers 13. And this is back when we sent spies into the city. Because when he's going to do it, it's almost never going to make sense to most. Do you know why? Because he just realized, I mean, he formed us creatives. He knew how we were made up, especially knew what sin nature would do to us. But he needed to make sure that he would, doesn't the Bible say something about confounding the wise? The more you think you have God figured out, I think the more he really wants to just trick you. Is that okay? Is he allowed to trick you in a loving way? He just wants to say, you still haven't got the fact that I'm going to be the one that takes care of things. You and all your knowledge and your leadership and your understanding, you're not going to be the one that has all the answers. It's still going to be my glory. Twelve spies went in. Of the twelve that went in, two came back and said, let's take the city. The other ten said, I don't think so. The worst of that, after a 16% church vote or church board vote, you have to understand that those 10 that brought back the, the bad report will influence the masses to agree because we as humans are drawn more to anxiety and neg negativity than we are to risk-taking and optimism. We're drawn more to anxiety and negativity than to risk-taking and optimism. The kingdom of God is a great risk. It is a great risk. God calls us to be risk-takers in his kingdom. We can see from the testimony of Rahab that the enemy has more confidence in our God than we do. We too often trust God for every situation but our own, believing that he somehow loves everyone else or is big enough for their problem but not for ours. That is a trust and a faith issue within yourself if your faith is only good enough for other people but not for what he wants to do in your own life. But we must remember that the city does not belong to the enemy. So beyond that, even when people think you're crazy, God will then go ahead and ask you to fight the battle in ways that don't make sense to those around you. He's going to make you fight the battle in ways that don't make sense, not only to those around you, but it might not even make sense to you. He does it all through scripture. I think about Naaman. He told him to go dip in the Jordan River seven times as leprosy would be healed. I mean, everybody knows that if you have a bunch of sores, you just go get in dirty water. Daniel, Daniel prayed, and it took his prayer 14 days before that spiritual help got there to him, but he still remained faithful to the prayer, believing that God was doing the work and that he was going to answer. Jesus Christ took stripe after stripe after stripe, rod after rod after rod, spit, 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 curse, 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 nakedness, shame, cross. Nobody saw anything moving in physical until he said it was finished. The veil was rent and we forever have access to the throne of grace. He's working in the spiritual even though we can't see him in the physical. And sometimes God's going to cause you to do things or ask you to do things that don't make sense to those around you. I'm sure that first lap felt strange. 
not only to them, but maybe to the enemy. But with each circle, a holy confidence was building in their souls. By the seventh day, their faith must have been ready to pop. They arose before dawn, started in the circle at 6 a.m., and at about three miles an hour, they would have taken that seventh lap about 9 o'clock in the morning. Keeping with God's instruction, they hadn't said a word in six days. We're going to assume they followed all the instructions if the promise came to pass. They had been silently circling. Then the priests sounded their horns, and simultaneously the shout followed 600,000 uh, Israelites raised a holy roar that must have registered like on the Richter scale, and the walls came down. They celebrate the victory right before the walls fall flat. They celebrated the victory before it came. Here's, here's something I just love. I was looking at this passage this week. God throws surprise parties in your spirit. These are so good. Let me tell you, I was praying about Cap City Church. I've been praying about Cap City Church for a long time. Allison can testify to that. It was back in October that I first talked to our district superintendent. We didn't know what was going to happen. We just kept working where we were. You all know we didn't talk about an interview till January or February. But while I was praying about Cap City and what God wanted us to do and what he was going to have, and I don't want you to think that I'm at all being, uh, I don't know, it's tough sometimes to act in great faith and not feel like you're being a little arrogant or prideful about it, right? Like trusting God for a promise. As long as we know he gets the glory and he's the one doing the work. But church, I knew I was going to be with you guys. I mean, I, I know you needed a vote, and I know we needed an interview, but God, God spoke to me in my spirit, and I knew I was going to be in here. And, and I was home by myself one day. I think Allison went to pick up the kids from school, and I was reading scripture, and I was praying. I was singing songs of worship, and I just began to shout. I mean, we're talking shout at the top of my lungs, right? I'm not, I wasn't singing really loud or like, yeah, go God. I mean, I'm talking about the referee just made a bad call in the Ohio State-Michigan game, and they're going to lose the game. The way you scream at TV, right, in the flesh. It was that, but it was in the spirit. It was something like, woo! Right? Something like that. And it wouldn't stop coming out of me. It wouldn't stop coming out of me. I mean, until I was almost hoarse. And so you know what I did? After that stopped, I said, God, what was that for? Or, God, why did I do that? Nobody was around. Or, God, God why did I, I was singing. It wasn't that good enough. That's not at all what I said. I just said, thank you, Jesus. I know victory's on the way. I know you're about to do something great. And we have to be careful. When God throws a surprise party, we don't ask what the party's for, if we should bring a gift, what we should wear. We just show up, right? If God shows up, we want to be right there celebrating with him. Amen. Again, I won't sing it again, but... Joshua in the Battle of Jericho, and the reason I brought that song up is because that line says, and the walls came tumbling down. If, you're, uh, if, if you were raised in church and you had good Sunday school attendance, uh, what was it called? Help me with the felt things. Anybody? Something graph. Flannel graph? Yeah, remember and your teacher said, and here's Joshua, and here's the wall, and then or maybe you brought in, if you were a good Sunday school teacher, you brought in walls and it was like Jenga and we made all the rocks fall down. However you learned it. Could somebody look at that passage for me and find the word tumble? Could somebody look at that passage for me and find the word crumble? The only word I could find, and I looked this verse up just to be sure, I looked it up in over 40 different versions and multiple languages for you. Fell down flat. Fell down flat. Now, somebody explain to me. I want you to look at some of these brick walls, and I want you to imagine one of those just falling flat and how you would respond or feel about that. 
I mean, if it crumbled, we would say there's issues in the foundation. Or perhaps we would say there was an earthquake. Or if a tornado hit it, we would see things just flying everywhere. But do you know when things fall flat? And I'll tell you the visual I have in my head is whatever Chip and Joanna Gaines were doing last time Allison had it on. (laughs) Walls fall flat when someone pushes them. As they were walking, I think about the anticipation. I just, I have such an imagination about heaven, and I'm not trying to make any kind of theological stance when I talk about angels or, or what's going on in spiritually high places. But I just wonder if there weren't some angels up there that were put on duty that day at Jericho. How about now, Father? No, just wait a second. How about, it's been four days. No, 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 wait till... I mean, there's things that we know only God the Father knows. Maybe the angels didn't even know that day. And they get to day seven. It's like, why are they walking more than once today? Just, just hang on a second. Finally, maybe lap five or six, he, he says to the angels, hey, they're getting ready to blow the trumpets. When you hear the trumpets and when you hear the shout, because we won't do things that make us sound foolish, right? Like some of you could say, I could never go, woo, in church. That'd be crazy. That's something you do if you're on stage. When they're ready to release all control, all surrender, when they blow those horns, when they break their silence with a shout. I mean, think about that. How loud does someone shout when they haven't talked for six days? I know how loud my kids get when they've been told to be quiet for five minutes. He was building it up in them, stirring it up in them. He was trying to create some type of holy shout that would shake the foundations of the earth. But the walls were pushed over flat so that there would be no doubt that this was only God and that nothing else could have caused it to take place. That science thousands of years later couldn't try to say that there was an earthquake during those days or that there was tectonic plates like we're doing with so many different things we're trying to disprove about the word of God. The walls fell flat. And he wants to push them over in your life today. I'm going to invite the team back up right now as we pose the question, What is your Jericho? What is your Jericho? What miracle are you marching around? Jericho is spelled many different ways. If you have cancer, it is spelled healing. If you have a family member who is far from God, it's called salvation. If your marriage is falling apart, it is spelled reconciliation. If you have a vision beyond your resources, it's spelled provision. Jericho might be someone's name. Like for me, it's Allison and Wesley and Luke and Ben and what God has for them in their life. A pastor of a huge church in Korea wrote this, God does not answer vague prayers. I'll tell you ahead of time, none of you, all right, and again, you can write me letters and emails and later we can sit down and talk about this and I'll explain it to you further. None of you yet has brought to me an unspoken request. I really like praying with the people in this church. I like the way they pray. I do. And you say, Jonathan, there are ways that you don't like people pray. Yeah, there are ways that people pray that I don't like. And I don't like unspoken requests. Let your request be made known to God. Dear God, pray for whatever that thing is I don't know about. I don't like it. I'm not trying to make light of it. I'm saying I think it's a bad practice that needs to be corrected. Not vague prayers. Get specific as you are circling and praying for your Jericho. You can walk with a holy confidence that the blessing of God and his promises are sure. Let's have a definitive answer to the question. And if you don't have this today, I want you to find it. What would you do if God came to you and said, what would you have me to do?
What would you have me to do? The answer better be like that. What would you have me to do? Because that means you really believe that he's able to do it. Let's seek God and his kingdom and his righteousness and then be obedient and give God all the glory. This should change the way we pray for the challenges that are facing us today. Would you stand with me? And as we go into a time of response, I'm going to implore you to keep on marching in obedience. And don't you dare finish life outside the walls. Don't you dare finish life outside the walls in a place of provision rather than promise. Remember, earlier we said that in the desert they had food and sex and security and familiar surroundings. But on the other side of the wall, God wanted to show them all the magnificence magnificence that he had for them. What did the enemy take from you? It doesn't belong to him. He's trying to keep it on lockdown. But you need to reclaim it in your life today. Church, let's pray this morning and take possession of that which the Lord says belong to us. I'm going to bow and pray for you. And the team's going to sing, I'm going to see a victory. Because the battle belongs to the Lord. Most of the battles you're failing are because you keep trying to do it on your own terms and on your own means. He won't take hold of anything that you won't let go of, so you got to let go. Everybody needs victory today. If, if you feel like you're living a victorious life, pray for those strongholds to be broken down in someone else's. Pray for this church that we move forward in a spirit of victory rather than that of being defeated. I'm not saying we are, but we don't want let to it, let it seep in, right? God, thank you this morning that that which you have promised does not belong to the enemy, but instead it belongs to you. So Lord, we pray that you would help us move forward faithfully in obedience unified as the army of God, following instructions, accepting discipline, ready to ever be transformed, to confess and repent of our sins, Lord, to keep circling until that idea has come down, though it might seem strange to others. Lord, I, I don't want the enemy to be more confident in your power than your churches. God, I'm still hearing so many statements about we're not sure about what God's going to do. You're going to bring victory in every area. It's all you do. You don't lose. You just win. You don't fail. You just succeed. You don't lie. You just keep promises. Help our little faith, God. Say all these prayers about trusting you for all these big things and get caught, so caught in the crosshairs. God, I don't want to live a life of provision. I want to live a life in the promised land. We can have it here, Lord. You promised it to us. And you said we could pray your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it's being done in heaven. Lord, if this is what heaven looks like, I don't want to go. I want to see it get better. I want to see your kingdom come in my life, in my family's life, in my church's life, Lord. And I want to be among a group of people that has that desire as well. Pour it out today, Lord. Pour out the water, the rain on the dry and thirsty land. Saturate our spirits with with yours, Lord. Let your Holy Spirit fall. Help us to receive your love, your discipline, your correction so that we can move forward with peace, knowing that there's not a weapon that is formed against us that has any chance of prospering because you have defeated it at the cross. We bless your holy name, Lord. Help us to be obedient during this time of response. In Jesus' name, amen.
whisper When the darkness falls it won't breathe Cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph My God will never fail Oh my God will never fail I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory For the Bye.
We'll let you go ahead and have a seat this morning. And if you're watching online, we're going to say goodbye on our broadcast right now. But we want you to join us soon at our Rathmel Road campus to be in person and see what God's doing and how His Spirit's moving. So have a great week, and we hope to see you with us next Sunday. Um, we're going to ask our ushers to come forward as we receive the morning tithes and offering. And, uh, man, you'll, you'll learn as we get in here. I don't ever go to church because all they ever do is talk about money. Not all I ever talk about, but I talk about it a lot because, I, you know, I just get so, I can't say I get irritated with God. I'll have to figure out how to name this emotion. But I, 